Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hi, I'm Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is The Best Life. Gosh, so we had our Brunch with Besties event yesterday. It was amazing. So fun. I was exhausted yesterday. I don't know about you, but I was like, okay, I just need to stare at the wall. Oh, afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was. It's one of those things where like it's uh, – and you and I are both the same. I think pe- people might be surprised to find out that both of us are introverts. Yeah. It's one of those things like I love, love meeting people, love seeing them, but I don't – I never realized how much energy it takes out of me until afterwards. And then I, it's like somehow I feel like I was just in some kind of car accident. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I know because I went out last night and texted you. And you, I was like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm sitting on the couch staring at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, there is a TV in front of me, but it's not on. So basically I'm staring at an empty TV and a wall. I know. So uh, yeah, we're pumped. We uh, did our very first in-person Brunch With My Besties event. And it was a couple of hours and it was here in Los Angeles. And we wanted to do our first one here. So we've been talking about doing a Best Life podcast tour, which we are going to be doing. And you guys have been asking us for dates. Those will be uh, announced as we set them up. And so we wanted to get on and just talk a little bit about why we did that, like a little bit of debrief around around the event. And some we had some amazing panelists, which we'll talk about in a second. And what are the conversation? You and I, I mean, we've gotten a little bit better about just doing things on the fly. And so we said, you know, we'll have a couple questions ready, but we'll just see where this panel goes and where the discussion goes. And it was interesting to see where it went. And there was a lot of kind of redundant themes that have come up along with the best life. And just to see these other podcast hosts going, you know, we talked about boundaries. We've talked about uh, crucial conversations with family members, all these kind of things that I think so many of us struggle with. And it was cool to get their take on that. It was, it was really validating. We really started with, you know, Jill and I were talking like, should we write down some talking points? And I'm like, well, you know, we're with women who talk for a living. All of us talk for a living. We're girls. Of course we can talk nonstop. And it was kind of fun to see the topics that came up. So we had Lisa Bilyeu, who's been on our podcast before, Lori Harder, who also has, and Patrice Washington, who will be soon. And we just started kind of with one question and just let it go into natural conversation. And then like Jill said, they're like, Patrice brought up something about boundaries. And I was just kind of like, yeah, we did a boundaries episode. And then we talked about selfishness and we've done a selfishness episode. And we talked a little bit about living an unconventional life. And so I loved it because it's really validating to know that these are the conversations other women are having. These are the conversations that come up over and over. It's the things that we personally struggle with and that our audience struggles with. And so it felt like 
I don't know. I guess sometimes it just feels really good to know you're not alone. Yeah, it was interesting. So um, we'll talk a little bit more like on the business side of things, like why we did this event, what we're hoping to get out of it, why, you know, obviously you want to connect with people, but at the same time, there is kind of like a little bit of a business kind of, uh, you know, idea behind it. It was interesting after the panel. So we talked about selfishness, boundaries, all that kind of stuff. And afterwards, I was talking to a bunch of women who were there and many of them came up to me and they were like, you know, the thing you're talking about, about the courage to live an unconventional life and changing the storyline mm-hmm. with their husbands, partners, friends, family members has been really hard, but they find themselves, they're 35, 40, 50 years old and they're going this is it. Like, this is what my life is. I have a, I have kids. My kids are getting older. I feel not, I don't say I feel dead inside, but I feel like asleep yeah. and I want there to be more. And so a lot, you know, one of the women said she was an entrepreneur, started a jewelry company at 40, has three grown kids and really did have to have a series of conversations with her husband and family members and to just go like, Hey, I know it's uncomfortable for you, but this is the direction that I'm going in. And not everyone's always going to be on board with that stuff. So I just was like, you know, that's courageous. A lot of people feel that resistance and they don't do it. And she's like, well, I couldn't do anything else. I had to do it. So it's hard because sometimes you feel like you're leaving people behind, which we've also done an episode on that. It's kind of like a casualty, right? It's like, Hey, I have to do what I have to do for me. And, you know, to validate people who maybe feel like they're scared to change the conversation with their friends, family members, whoever, it's like, you can't not do it. You have to, you know, and so it's, and that's where the selfishness thing comes in. Well, I love that Patrice even brought up having a script and we've kind of talked about this before (laughs) and you've, you've kind of given some scripts and it's funny because it, it sounds silly, but sometimes we literally just don't know how to say what we need to say because we're so worried about how it's going to come off or how it's going to, we're trying to like project how someone receives the information, which, you know, you just can't do. You can't control how somebody's going to perceive you. But that was also a theme that came up was the stories we tell ourselves. We're like, okay, I want to say something, but I'm afraid they're going to think this. So in order for them to not think that I need to say it in a different way. And we create this whole thing when if you just kind of come out and say the thing, a lot of times people just are like, oh, okay. And hopefully uh, we did, we weren't able to record in the high quality recording that we wanted to, um, but we are going to send the recording we do have. We did a backup recording. We're going to send it off to the editor. So hopefully you guys get to hear the conversation. But if not, it was just definitely look, look up these other women. We'll have Patrice on too. But the conversations, learning how to say something, it takes practice. You know, I'd love to, I don't know, I would love to hear what like really stuck out to you. There's a couple of things so that I really loved, which Lori said, if you want a different reality or if you want to become more successful in whatever realm that looks like, it's literally determined by how many uncomfortable conversations you're willing mm-hmm. to have. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I was like, yes, that really is what it's about. She goes, if you want to have a bigger life, I think that's what she said. If you yeah. want to have a bigger, bigger life, life, whatever that looks like, it really is going to come down to the a number of crucial conversations or scary or confrontational conversations that you're willing to have. And I think that's a practice. You and I have talked about this quite a bit. It's like, you know, the first one's always gonna be the hardest because you're like tripping over yourself and you're constantly considering the other person and what they're thinking. And, and I think which leads into one of the things Patrice said that I really appreciated, which is people respect people with boundaries. She goes, if you have boundaries, people are going to respect you. And I remember feeling like, yeah, that's exactly right. Right. Because we know those people who are pushovers and you and I have both been that way at times in our life. And you know, that was one of the reasons why I left the marriage was feeling like a doormat, you know, feeling out of my integrity, feeling like losing respect for myself. And that's a boundary saying I'm leaving or I'm staying and I'm going to be this way, or I'm going to be doing this. And that's a way to put yourself in your power. So, you know, for me, I took away crucial conversations are, they're the only way 
to get what you want or to, to create the reality that you want, yep. the new reality that you want. And the second is people respect people with boundaries. And it's so true. It's like, you might not like it or you might be like a little bit taken aback yep. if you have someone in your family who's like, hey, and just lays it down for you. You you feel a little bit uncomfortable or like, ah, like almost feel bad. Like, what did I do wrong? Yep. But realizing it's not about you. So on both sides of it. Both sides. I, when she said people respect people with boundaries, the first person I actually thought about was you because you're one of the first people that I've known that just has really strong boundaries, but does it with love. And I can look at you as an example and go, yeah, she's not a bitch. I mean, if, if I wanted to perceive you that way, I could, but you have boundaries. Uh, Diane Sanfilippo, she's another person, a friend of ours or a friend of mine who's on Instagram. If you guys follow her, she has really strong boundaries and social media boundaries. And I've I've watched her kind of post some of those things and I can see that for some people who follow, they don't like it. And it's also like, okay, cool. Does it matter? And I, I look at women like that and I look up to people who have those kind of boundaries and I try to emulate them and get better for myself because I realize when I don't have boundaries or I don't state them clearly enough, then I feel taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. I feel used. I feel resentful. And I think when we, those are the kind of feelings you get when you don't have boundaries. Yeah. I think one of the other things that came up for me too was something that you said toward the end was just about owning it. And I think we all yeah. had an agreement of when you own it. I, Patrice also said, have your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Or she said her granny taught her that. But just owning your decisions and Lori even piped in. I mean, everybody was really saying the same thing in different ways. But once you make a decision to own it instead of, oh, I don't, you know, like trying to make people are okay or say, you know, it's, it's interesting how we take up so much mental space going back and forth. And I think Patrice mentioned something about writing an email and then once she made the decision, just deleting it. So she doesn't go back and reread it and go, Ooh, should I have said something different or should I have done that? And I was like, you know, I really like that. Just saying it, putting it out there and then just owning it and walking away instead of constantly questioning, did I do the right thing? Rereading it, maybe changing your mind. It just takes a lot of mental energy. And that was, that was really a cool thing to hear from. You know, ownership, I think is the ultimate. And, you know, I love that we had the opportunity to talk about that because anytime you're interacting with other people, there, there are going to be judgments. People are going to feel a certain way. And I think the ultimate kind of way to feel in your power in that moment is to own it, whatever your decision is. So one of the things that we said yesterday was, you know, Danny and I talk a lot about our ex-husband's infidelity. And I think, and we're, we're so like over it and have worked through it. And like, it's so commonplace, a conversation between us and also like on this. So we were laughing and saying like, the second I meet people, I'm like, hi, I'm Jill Coleman. Uh, my husband had an affair. Like, and it's, it, to me, it's not a big deal. But yeah. for most people, it's very like taboo or it's very like, what did you do wrong? Or were you not having sex? And like, just all of these kind of assumptions that we make around infidelity. And I don't know about you, but if I say it first, mm -hmm. no one else can say anything. Cause mm -hmm. it's like, I already said it, right? I already told you the scariest, most shameful, most potentially embarrassing thing about my life. So there's, it's just, there's ownership there and there's power there versus feeling scared that I'm going to get found out or like something's going to happen. And so it's been interesting. We've actually seen a few of our really close friends on social media talk about their partners being unfaithful. And we, Danny and I were kind of laughing because, you know, we, we've been talking about this obviously on the podcast now for a year. We've been talking about publicly for about two years. Yep. And it's like, we're starting to see people in all things, vulnerability wise, we're starting to see people more like owning the fact that like they've been cheated on and like, and not being scared to hide that. I still think there's a good amount of people who are hiding it sure. and that's fine. But I, I would like to think that in our small little tiny bubble, we're having an impact in that way and, and giving people permission to own whatever the thing is that's scary or shameful or embarrassing or guilt, you know, ridden or whatever that looks like. So yeah. 
I liked, I liked that a lot. I think it, I had a woman come up to me, we were taking photos and she just kind of came up and said, Hey, you know, thank you for putting this on. And it just, what it helped me realize is that it gives me permission to step up. It gives me permission to have these conversations. And I, I hope that's what it does. You know, sometimes we do just need permission or we need to see someone else doing yes. it and realize, wow, they didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> it is so true. It's like, oh, is that okay? It's against, yep. it feels against the rules. Yeah. Like in a way it's like, that's taboo or that's against the rules or that's against the cultural script. Yeah. But then when you see someone else do it and they didn't die. And in fact, they might even be thriving as a result of ripping the bandaid off. You're like, wow, there are other options on the menu yeah. that I didn't know. So I actually want to semi shift gears, but kind of along the same, same thread is, you know, Jill and I talk about just doing the thing and taking action and doing things you're scared of. <laughs> and something came up during this event for myself and I think her as well, but definitely I think we realize we're very similar in this is putting this on was a big undertaking. I mean, there were a lot of moving pieces. Jill and I have both done events, but I think I'll speak for both of us in that we're not like the detail people. We're kind of big picture. We tend to just, you know, we don't Focus look on the at content. the flowers. Yeah, we're not doing all like the decor and making it look pretty. And we'll kind of go into why we wanted to do this a little different. But there was a lot of things that needed to go on. There was a lot of backdrops, banners, printing, cutting, stuffing bags. We had 93 RSVPs, so it was a big thing. There was chairs that needed to be moved. There was a bar to, a bar that needed to be set up. And we needed to ask for help. And um, <laughs> the Riveter who hosted, who we had the event at, uh, the Riveter is a women's co-working space. They said, hey, you're going to need four volunteers. So I was like, ooh, I'm scared, like, who can I ask to help us? And we have friends who I'm sure would help. And I asked one gal, she couldn't do it. And then it was almost like, well, I guess if she can't, then nobody can. And I got (laughs) weird about it. And then Jill's like, well, why don't we just pay someone? And we're already kind of, we're way over budget. And it was kind of one of these things, like I was terrified to ask for help. I was terrified to ask people to help us. And then, you know, one of the things Jill said was, well, well, what are they going to get out of it if they volunteer? You know, like we need to give them something. And there was this question of like, why do we, I know I would volunteer and not expect anything. I know Jill would volunteer and never expect anything for our friends, for people we cared about, for people we'd support. And yet we were fearful to ask and we were fearful to ask without giving something, reciprocating something back. And in the end, it was like, we were kind of doing some of the things that we probably shouldn't have. We probably should have had other people. We should have asked for more volunteers. We should have had more help. And I realized if I'm going to do bigger events, if we are going to do bigger events, we're going to need to get over ourselves and ask people and let them say no. And it's like, what, we're, what, are, we, what are we scared of? That they're going to say no and then hate us. So she's, she tagged me on this meme and I had totally saved It says me trying to ask someone a favor. Hey, could you help me with this thing? No pressure though. Totally okay if you can't, if you want to run me over with the car, that's cool. Are you mad at me? (laughs) And I was like, yes, that's, that's us. Yeah, it is. What are you scared of? I guess I I think I'm more scared to, so uh, just to give credit, that's from Allison Tenney who has that on her Instagram. And I saw that and I just like sent it to Danny because I was like, this is us. You know, I think I'm, I'm, here's what I'm scared of. And I know this is it for you too. I'm scared of owing someone anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I have a problem asking. I have a problem with feeling as though because they did something for me, I owe them. And I don't want to feel like I owe anybody anything. And I think, and that's, this is dysfunction, by the way. I'm not saying it's valid. I'm just saying like, that's a dysfunction. I think for me, it's more about feeling that I'm taking advantage of someone. 
I, I feel like maybe somebody is going to think, oh, Danny just always expects things from me and like she, I, they feel taken advantage of, which is so silly because I... You have to trust that they're going to be, that they're going to give you an honest answer. Yeah. And they don't sometimes yep. though. And I just, I don't know what that is because I'm, I'm like going, well, do I ever feel taken advantage of? And the answer is no, I don't. Even if I volunteer for something, I volunteer without expecting anything, without expecting gifts, without expecting monetary payment. But you payment. don't trust that other people will do I that. I know. It's so weird. And so it, this was a good thing for, I think, both of us because while we are good at honest communication and saying it, this is one that's like, oh, this is something you two could actually practice. I think a lot of us, probably if you're listening to this, are, are very similar. And I'll tell you, I think where it came from for me, like my parents have always been very giving, always very generous, but I've been financially independent since I was 21. Literally mm -hmm. never asked for my parents for any money. And for me, I took that as a pride thing because I didn't want to feel like I owed them anything. Yep. So I was around, I guess, 24 years old at the time, 23, 24. And my parents were like, okay, so grad school, like you're going to go back and cause you're not going to be just a personal trainer, right? Like you got to right. do something else. Mm -hmm. So I had my degree in exercise science and it was kind of like, Oh, you either go to medical school or physician assistant school or physical therapy. And I was like, well, out of those three, probably physical therapy feels like the most applicable to me. So in order to apply to go to get your master's, you need to take the GRE. GRE is like the SATs, but for grad school. So I remember kind of studying for it a little bit and my parents at the time were like, well, why don't we just pay for you to do a prep class? And at this time I was about 24 years old. We'll just pay for you to do a prep class. And it was a thousand dollars. And I was like, okay, yeah, I was reluctant to take the money. Cause again, I didn't want to feel like I owed them. Mm -hmm. I ended up taking the money. I took the course and I remember I was studying for the GRE and I was, my heart was not, I've told the story for my heart was just not in going to, to, uh, school for physical therapy. I was volunteering at the time. I couldn't even get through the volunteer hours. I hated every second of it. And I never ended up taking the test. Mm. And it was months later and they were calling me and I was dodging their phone calls. And I remember, and then I remember we had a conversation. Finally, I couldn't, I couldn't avoid them anymore. We had a conversation and they were like, so about the GRE. And I was like, ooh, ooh, I didn't take it. Yeah. And for, you know, and I'll just be honest, like literally this is how it was for you know, months afterwards, uh, like several times they said, well, you know, we did pay for you to take the course. So we did pay for you to, we did, you know, we did pay a thousand dollars for. And so that I was like, okay, so because you gave me a thousand dollars, you can hang it over Hold my head, head. Mm -hmm. that I need to take the exam and then I need to apply for physician, like for PT school. And I have to go and do that now with my life. Right. And I never wanted that feeling again. ever again. That was the only time. And you know, I, you know, like, I apologize if you're listening to this mom, but like, that's a real thing. And there yeah. are consequences to that and it's fine. But I resolved to myself that if I was going to give to somebody, I would never give with expectations. Yeah. If we decide that it's a loan, cool. But like for me, I will never give and then expect something in return because I know how that fucking feels. It sucks. Uh, when you had a, a friend over here the other day, Lawrence, he was recording the podcast and afterwards we were talking about the book, The Tao of Pooh. And that was a lesson I got about in, in high school. My boyfriend gave me that book and he, my parents were basically using gymnastics over my head to take away anything. They would like, we're take, we're going to take away gymnastics because they knew it meant a lot to me. So no matter what I did, they could use that. And he kind of told me, well, if you don't want anything, then they can't 
take anything away from you. And that also turned into don't ever take anything from them. So I bought my own car because if it was my money and I bought my own car, they couldn't take it away. If I paid for my own gas, they, you know, they couldn't do anything. So I'm very similar in that I just learned the independence and I didn't want to have any attachments to things that someone else gave to me for fear that they would use it against me. Yep. And so what do you, how do you get out of that? Like, okay, you want to believe the best in people, right? Yep. You want to believe that they're going to be like you are, yeah. which is when you give your time or you give your effort, or you give your money that you're not expecting the other person to do anything as a result of that. And so why can't we give other people that same consideration? I think we're going to start practicing. This is our thing this year. We're going to be asking for help. <laughs> And we're going to deal with the discomfort of it. I, I, you know, one of my good friends, Elizabeth Faye, she has a, she had an event, Hair Love Club, and I watched her. I watched her tell people, hey, I need you to go over here. And she just like kind of managing. And Jill and I both have talked about how we were managers in the past and we hated managing people because we don't like to micromanage. I think we don't like telling people what to do. We don't. But some people... I know at the event yesterday, they were coming up to me asking, they're like, hey, what do I need to do? Or what can I help you with? And I was like, uh, you know, I just wanted to do my own thing. And, and I guess yeah. too, I'm also that person who just finds something to do where I'm like, okay, I'll find the thing that needs help. But I need to get better as a leader, as a person who's wants to put on events like this. I realized it cannot be done alone. And Catherine, actually, I should say this was not done alone. Catherine Drysdale, she did so much. Incredible. But I also know that she was afraid to ask some of her friends for help. She was like, oh, I'm not sure about asking. So we're all very similar. And it's <laughs> funny that like we attract we attract friends that are like us and think that way. But she was incredibly just getting things done. And I put, you know, kind of put a lot of pressure on her when people ask me what to do. I'm like, go ask Catherine. I don't know. She's kind of got, she's got the, the reins on this, but yeah, it was, it was good for me to do this, to realize that I need to not be afraid and also kind of dig into asking myself, what is that fear? And what yeah. does that mean? And what does it say about me if I need help? I think that's also oh, it too, right? Like, what does it say about you if you're asking for help? does that mean I'm weak? It means I can't do it. No, it doesn't mean that. But I think subconsciously I have that fear of if I can't do it, then I'm not good or, oh, what? You can't do it. You can't do this on your own. Like you need yeah. help. What's wrong? And that's, that's so silly. Yeah. Nobody could expect, look at the, we just watched some football games yesterday. The Super Bowl's happening. Not one person is going to win that game. Everybody's got to do their part and people need to, yeah, people need to do their part and there's times when things can't be done alone and it's okay to ask. For you know, what's help. interesting is like, you know, it just depends. It's this scenario, right? Versus I work with a lot of, and I know you do too, like uh, entrepreneurs are starting entrepreneurs and they're so scared to ask for the sale. You mm -hmm. and I, no issues asking for a sale. Like literally no issues like when it comes to that because I know my worth and I know my value and I almost feel bad for someone who declines to work with me or work with you because mm -hmm. we just know that they were going to be able to change their life. So it's like, it's not, it's it's area specific. Mm -hmm. It's like, so mm -hmm. for me, I know it's, I don't want to have something, you know, held over my head and I have to just give other people the benefit of the doubt and just go, they're going to, potentially they're not going to hold it over my head. Sure. They're going to be. And also if they do, that's their choice. It's still my choice to take that on. Sure. And I think it's also about inconveniencing someone. Yes. So we don't want to inconvenience. I know there was a couple of people I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to ask them, but it's Sunday. It's their day off. And it's, they can say no if they wanted, if they're like, know. Hey, I have something going on. And I would have been like, cool, no big deal. But it was like, I didn't even ask them. I was already making the decision for them before even giving them the chance to decline the offer. And one of the girls, um, Kim, afterwards, she said to me, thank you so much for allowing me to help. And I had a DM. I'd missed it because my phone was 
you know, in a corner somewhere, but somebody had messaged this. She's like, Hey, I'm here early. Do you guys need help? I mean, there were plenty of people that I guarantee had we given the, them the opportunity, mm-hmm. they would have taken it as thank you for this opportunity to help. And even Lori, our, our, actually all of our speakers, they said to us, cause I was just like, thank you for coming. We didn't pay any of those people to come and speak for us. They were friends. And I was just like, thank you. Oh my gosh, you guys are doing me a favor. And they l- literally looked back at us and they're like, thank you for letting us come here. And so I think I have to just get over the fact that asking somebody to do something doesn't mean it putting anybody out. It Mm. doesn't mean that it's inconvenient to their life. I don't know what it is. And I think a lot of women, sometimes we feel like somehow we are inconvenience, uh, inconveniencing people or we are inconvenient to someone else. And again, probably comes from childhood where maybe our parents made us feel like we were inconvenient or something, (laughs) but yeah, it's good. I like it when things come up for me that I'm like, okay, I need to work on that a little bit. Yep. I know. So, okay. We're going to hold each other accountable for that. Yeah. Yeah. So the event was great. It was, it, because we didn't have that, that much help, it like it was a huge undertaking. And like I just want to give a shout out to Danny and both Catherine and Danny because I w- I had my mastermind this weekend and I told Danny like I just don't really have the the emotional mantle bandwidth or the time actually to do it. And so the the two of them were running around like crazy, and it wouldn't have been as magical as it was without those details and without those little small touches. Because I think you and I mo- we, we think macro level, yeah. But because people showed up, almost everyone was like, "This is an amazing space. Everything is so beautiful. It was aesthetic. We had people taking like a." a gorgeous photos of just the little tiny details. And I think that it did make a big difference. And so why was this event different than other live events you've done? Yeah. So we honestly, and this is going to just be real for all of you guys. Like we, Jill and I had a conversation probably in the fall and we were talking about just what do we want to do different? We want to pivot next year. Our businesses, things feel a little stale in the space. You know, everything's changed. Instagram's changed. Facebook has changed. And one thing I think Jill and I both really shine as shine on or in is in person. We love, and we love connecting in person. And sometimes the internet stuff can get lonely. And so we talked about how do we, how do we get in person? So we go, let's do a tour. Like nobody is doing this. It would be really fun for us. And the big thing was getting sponsors and we want to put this on, but it was a big financial undertaking. So real transparency, we made a list of 12 cities intention, we want to do this tour. Truth is right now, we don't have any cities planned out, don't know how it's going to happen, do not have the finances to make it happen. The goal was to make this one amazing. We wanted it to, we wanted to get a ton of people, a ton of photos, tons of video, um, and to be able to show a corporate sponsor, like, look, this is what we can provide and do for you. And uh, full transparency, one we really want to work with is Bumble, uh, Bumble BFF. They we've have talked about them on the podcast before. Yeah. We've talked about them on the podcast. We talked about them on stage a little bit, but you know, women our age, it's, we want to make friends. We want to have connections. And a lot of people write into us, they go, we wish we had friendships like Jill, you and Jill, like your bestie goals and, and relationship goals. And I think that women are looking for that. And so Bumble BFF is a way that you can connect with women and find, make new friends. Actually, that's how I found Patrice. Um, a woman I connected with on Bumble BFF told me about her and long story short, ended up meeting her. But so we wanted to put on this event to show what we could do. So it was a big, literally this event was an investment in our business. Mm -hmm. It was an investment in, it was a gamble Mm -hmm. that we don't even know if it's going to pay off. I think it's going to pay off. And it was, I think one thing that also set us apart and made us, made our podcast stand out among others. But 
yeah, the there was some strategy behind it. Yeah, I think and this is something that I see a lot of times with very new entrepreneurs is they go, well, I can't do that because I don't have the money mm-hmm. or I'm not going to get my money back. Like just full transparency, we had, you know, we did have some coupon codes that some people use to get free tickets and discounted tickets and whatever. And so literally Danny and I paid out of pocket yep. for this. And so I think that's a huge, that's a mindset shift from like sometimes a new entrepreneur is like, well, I'm going to lose money. And it's like, you're going to lose money. You know, I lost $3,300 on my first live event and I don't look at it like I lost that money. I looked at it as any other investment I would have made in my business. And so it's marketing, you know, for us, we're like, cool, let's have the amazing uh, visual aesthetic space. Let's have all these tiny details and then let's get a ton of social proof. Let's make it so that people want to take photos in this space that they want to. And we, you know, we did all of that stuff so that we could leverage social proof so that people would be sharing on Instagram because that's how we know that, you know, we're going to build our numbers. We're going to build our clout. We're going to build all of those things. So the little touches really made a huge difference. And I think you have to go into it going, okay, like um, I can set aside this much money without being like, I need to make my money back. Like you can't be in scarcity. And it's hard when you're, when again, you don't have the budget or you don't have the money. It's hard not to be in scarcity, but you have to take the chance. You have to double down on yourself. And I don't know that we would have done that if we were just getting started. So true. So true. I mean, I think we've had enough wins or we've seen it before. You know, my first event too, I remember crying because I didn't make any money. But looking back and even, even a few months later, I realized it set me apart to where, oh, this girl does events. And it was like, nobody knows whether you made money or didn't make money. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. A lot of people don't make money off live events. A lot of people don't. In fact, they lose. Yeah. If you're, we did not break even for sure on this. I mean, to be honest, it was pure, uh, it was just pure investments. I tried to get some sponsors. We tried to get some food sponsors. I mean, that part was tricky. We asked, I asked a few people and had some, again, had some hard conversations. I even went to Lisa Bilyeu and I said, Hey, would you guys want to sponsor our mimosa bar? And she's like, Danny, honestly, we are not spending any money right now or doing any sponsors, but thank you for asking. And that was hard for me yeah, because asking money, who she's, a friend. And she's a friend. Yep. Yeah. And she said no, but it was also, she came to support us. She's like, I will support you in any way. And we're going to, I'll figure this out. And conversations with Lori after she's looking at doing something similar. And so I think what will come out of this is going to be really amazing. But we kind of made it up as we've been going along. I mean, we really were like, okay, let's try this. We don't know if it's going to work. We don't know if it's going to fail. There were some small failures along the way. I had some banners that I ordered and then they weren't open on the weekend the day before to pick them up. So of course, not waiting to the last minute. And all of this was planned literally within like, four weeks. Yeah. Less than that. Yeah. I mean, I started planning right, right. right after New Year's. Oh yeah. So three weeks. Yeah. So three weeks we pulled it all together and yeah, we went, o- we went over budget. Um, we just made it happen. You know, we made it happen and we're just hoping to make something more out of it. There were certain things I go, okay, maybe we can sell something at the event, but the event took so much planning. We weren't just able weren't to get time. the things, the, get the things together to sell there. Yep. So you just, you just go with it. Yep. And again, like I think people who showed up, they didn't know what they didn't know. So like I was all upset. I like <laughs> like the day before I found out about the banners and I had to think of a backup plan. So I made these posters, which to me, they looked like semi eyesore, but they still looked okay. But nobody knew because they didn't have the expectation of what the banners were going to look like. So I had to get over it. Like I poured myself a glass of a glass of wine at 11 a.m. I was like, shit, I <laughs> think of something. I'm just going to drink right now. It's the day before. I don't know what to do. This is going to cost me another three, $400 because I already spent the money and I have to make new things. I called a million print shops. They couldn't do what I wanted them to, but it worked out like nobody, 
nobody complained about the lack of banners that they didn't even know were supposed to be there. Right. <laughs> so that's another thing with live events too. I think oh, something will always go wrong, but most of the time the people showing up have no idea. They don't know what they don't know. Yeah. You know, one of the things, just to go back to what you said about the reason why we started doing this is because we did see an opportunity with live events. You know, the, it's very popular right now to like want to sit behind your computer, just be on social media, not have to travel anywhere, not have to go anywhere. And Danny and I, and I'll give you guys just this insight and I see it with my clients all the time. Danny and I have talked about this. Anytime we've had an opportunity to go to an event, host an event, go to a mastermind, travel to somewhere that, yeah, maybe you have to fucking put on a credit card. We've always done that. And I can tell you my clients in my mastermind and people I've worked with in business, the ones who say yes to being inconvenienced by having to get a flight, having to get an accommodation, have to go to a thing, the ones who always just say yes and they go to the live events always rise to the top. Like yep. that's some, it's a one percenter action, it you is. know? So for us, we're like, you know what? We don't see a lot of people hosting live events because the shit is hard. Yep. The shit is hard. And, but it's also, it can leverage so much more. It's so much more impactful than like trying to connect with someone on social media. Like that might take you a year to make a connection with someone, like a genuine connection on social media. You can have a weekend with someone and be like, we're best friends. Totally. And so we just saw an opportunity there where a lot of people are not doing this. They're going away from it. And I can tell you if you are a brand or you're someone, a personality brand, you're trying to build your online your online business, you need to be in person. You need to be attending events, hosting events. Like you need to be doing this stuff. And so we saw an opportunity and yeah, it's a risk, but at the same time, it's a way to innovate. It's a 1% interaction because it's hard. It's yep. inconvenient. It's a lot of work. You lose money. So, but it is something that not a lot of people are willing to do. Yeah, we knew that. And the one thing I love about Jill is like, you know, we're both in this together and we've had some conversations. Um, we we did a photo shoot in December and we're rebranding. We have a brand new cover. Yay. I hope you guys love it. We took a lot of new photos and we're like, we're going to go all in on this. And being business partners, I think too, that's that can be something tricky if you want something that someone else doesn't. And so what I loved is that Jill was all in, I was all in and we're like, let's just do this. We don't know. We don't have all the answers. We don't have all the cities. We don't have all the things planned out. We're just going to do the first one. We're going to do the first thing. And then from there, we are going to see what opportunities arise. But I know, and I think Jill, you know, as well, just because we've gone to so many events, we see what happens. We make connections that you, you don't know who shows up to those too. You don't know who's watching. Actually, Patrice Washington, she didn't say this yesterday, but I've listened to her podcast and she says, you never know, or someone is always watching you that has the opportunity to bless you. And there are people that were potentially in the audience watching us. There are people potentially watching you on social media. There are people potentially around just watching you who have the potential to bless you and who can change everything for you. And our friends who showed up, Lori, Lisa, and Patrice, you know, I know that it made a big difference to them. And we had influencers and friends in the audience to watch us do that. And so I know that they will be even potentially thinking of us for future things they're doing because they can see that we stepped out to do something brave and that we stepped out to do something hard. And to also shout out the participants, we had people fly in from different states. We had people come in from Florida. We had people come in from Arizona, Nevada, Canada. I know Jill had lots of people from her mastermind that came down and they made a big effort. It's funny because we were talking about the tour and people on Instagram like, come to this city, come to this city. And I get that, but we can't be everywhere. And sometimes it's like, yo, you got to meet us halfway. Totally. If we're flying from LA to let's say 
Chicago and you live, you know, within four hours of Chicago, come meet us because we're coming all the way from LA. Come meet us there. It's so funny when people expect you to drop in their backyard and then they like (laughs) kind of get all sad. One of my, one of my masterminds a couple of years ago was in Nashville with uh, Bex and I had people go, come to Canada. I don't, I don't live in Nashville. I was going, neither Bex nor I live in Nashville. Have you heard of airplanes? Like they make those yep. things to get you somewhere. So, and just so you guys know, like that doesn't go unnoticed by us. Mm-hmm. You know, people are watching. So I remember we did the radiance retreat in Sydney, Australia, a couple of years ago, 2016, we went to Sydney, Australia and we had people in Melbourne being like, come to Melbourne. I'm like, bitch, we just came to this country. <laughs> yeah. You know, this is the only time we're coming to the country. Like you could do an hour long flight to get to Sydney. And exactly. And so it, it's not to like make fun of it because I know like maybe people are listening and going like, oh, maybe I did that. But like right. it, it shows the amount of initiative that you are willing to take yep. and you can't sit behind your computer. And if you, my whole thing is if you want to get to the next level, if you want to do big things, if you want to like have a different reality for yourself, you can't sit behind your computer and living in the middle of nowhere and go like, I hope they like cross your fingers that we're going to come there. Like come and show effort and make a connection in person. I don't know. I know about Danny and both of us, that's always going to be the most impactful. I always remember people who come to the events, who keep showing up, who, who are like, that's, that is where really you make the connection. And so, and one of the things I want to tell you, tell you, and I really appreciate this about you, you and I are not perfectionists. We used to be, but I love the fact that we just jumped and did this one event. And I think a lot of people would go, well, I'm not going to announce that I'm having a podcast tour until I have all the cities. We have all the sponsors. We have all the venues. Everything's ready to go. We're going to like just announce it all. You and I announced this shit three weeks ago. And we're like, we're, we're not, we have no hope of doing a podcast tour until we do one event, yep. right? Like do the first event. I think yep. a lot of people want to make sure that it's perfect before doing any of it. And you and I are just going, okay, this is a podcast tour. We do one event and then we see. So people are like, where are you coming next? We're like, cool. We don't know, but we're going to let you know when we do. But it's like one step at a time. I always tell my girls, you can't get to step number two without going through step number one. Yep. So what are you going to do? Sit, ba- sit back and wait and, and hope that you get a $50,000 corporate sponsorship before you do anything. And it's like, no, we self-fund this bitch, see how it goes, do one. And if we want to keep doing them, we'll figure it out. Yeah. And just to prove that we can, yeah. it was proved to ourselves, And then to prove to the sponsor, if this was my thought too, I want to ask for a big dollars for the, from these totally. sponsors to make this big and beautiful. But what, why would a sponsor even, who doesn't know us from anyone even give us a single dollar if they're like, if they've never seen what we can do. Totally. So I wanted to prove to us and to prove to anyone. And it's kind of like that whole thing of, it's like providing content before you, before someone hires you. It's you're giving, giving, you're giving content, you're showing up, you're showing you're the expert before somebody comes to like, before you even ask for mm-hmm. the sale. And I think it's the same thing with this event. So I'm proud of us. Like proud it was us. really hard. It was amazing. It was like, I kind of likened it to my wedding. I was like, I hated every minute of planning, but I loved the event <laughs> and I love events so much. I'm not a, I'm not a planner for events. That's for sure. Cause it's not in my wheelhouse really for the details, but I had a blast you doing it. I had a blast meeting everybody. I had a blast just doing the panel and uh, I just, I loved it. And loved I'm it. Th- one year in guys. Happy so, birthday to so us. Excited. <laughs> I know. I love it. So check out that if you guys haven't checked out the new brand yet, hopefully if you're listening to this episode, you've seen the new cover and yeah, we have a whole bunch of other amazing things, but I think the lesson is don't wait, don't wait, jump in, 
jump in with two feet and have the full experience. And it was interesting you said that about, you know, if we want to get a sponsor, they're going to have to see that we've done a little bit of something before we ask them. And I, this past weekend at my mastermind, I had Lacey Mackey, who's a co-founder of Caveman Coffee. And some of my girls are podcast hosts. And they said, well, how would you, like if some, what's the best way to pitch you if we want to get sponsors for our podcast? Like mm-hmm. what's the best way? And, she, and Lacey was just like, I get so many podcasters messaging me all the time and asking for sponsorship. And she'll go, great, what's your podcast? And they go, well, actually, I'm just thinking about starting one. (laughs) And she's like... I can't like, do anything with that. Yeah. Like you're not, you don't even have a podcast yeah. yet. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think you need to do a lot of legwork to sh- prove your value. And our friends over at Mind Pump, I had a long conversation with Adam and you know, he goes before we ever asked for sponsorship and they, and they're like, there you have a tremendous amount. I think it's like $2,500 or even more to sponsor even one of their episodes mm-hmm. at this point. Cause that's how many downloads are getting. He said, you know, before we ever asked, he goes, we would promote the brand that we wanted to work with for free yep. and send traffic to them just so that we could prove to them how much we could bring to them that and how much value. And I was like, that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I loved it. I hope you guys got something out of this. I think, it's, you know, just I, we wanted to be a little bit authentic or I don't want to say transparent. authentic, transparent about what we're doing and kind of the strategy behind it. So you can kind of see and go, okay, that's how they're doing it. So <laughs> this is how we're doing it. Please subscribe to the Best Life Podcast and visit us in our Facebook group at thebestlifepodcast.com to join in more of the conversation. And we'll see you on the socials. All right. We'll see you on the social, guys. Bye. Bye.